The Race to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Body Bio. Better health through science. Get Elite and everything else for 20% off with promo code RTRS20 at bodybio.com. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, who writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners, go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, we see our process selves, our former process selves in the Oklahoma City Thunder. FERC goes off, follows up a disaster of a game against the Grizzlies. The Sixers finally sign Anthony Tolliver after what seems like a seven-year thought that we might get Anthony Tolliver to a 10-day contract. Um, a farewell to, um, is it Izzy? Izzy Bradzikas? Iggy. Uh, Iggy. Iggy Bradzikas? I wrote Iggy, and now I'm saying Izzy. How about that? The ever-evolving George Hill arrival and revisiting my We Are Fucked speech of 2018. Before, Again? we had an, an email. Well, an emailer brought it up. He was okay. like, have you guys talked about this? But he had a good question about it. It'll be in the mailbag. Before we get going, still raising money for the Brandywine Valley SPCA with their Walk for Pause 5K. Normally, I lead everyone in fundraising. And there's this kid, actually, her name is Izzy. Uh, and she's like, she's raised like $100 more than me. And it's driving me fucking nuts. So we have a month left. I need to be the top fundraiser. It all goes to saving dogs and cats, hundreds of them every week, homeless animals. In the post for this pod, you will see the link. Any donation, five bucks helps. Help me beat this. It's like a 16-year-old girl that's beating me in fundraising. It's ridiculous. I have like 60,000 Twitter followers. What's going on here? All right, uh, donate to that. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who will not see one meaningful playoff minute from Iggy Bradzikas. That is Mike Levin. Anthony Tolliver. It's happened. <laughs> we're going right to Anthony Tolliver. Right to Anthony yeah. Tolliver. No, I, yeah. I, uh, I thought that they were going to waive Bradzikas when it happened, and they kind of let him come in and maybe see him work out, which was like a feels like a tease. <laughs> Where they're like, hey, look how good the vibes are. This is very cool. You could you could be a part of this team. Uh, and then you're gone. Um, it beat it. So beat it for an Anthony Tolliver 10-day. Yeah. It might it might have been like uh, maybe we'll bring you back next year on a two-way or into the G League system or something. But Anthony Tolliver's a nice signing. Uh, wasn't in the league this season. Oldest player in Oldest the team Oldest sixer. Now. Yeah. Uh, Oldest sixer. Mike Scott has definitely been up and down. And so it's good to get a little... He was well liked. He's played for a thousand teams. Um, he's never, you know, you look at 
I was texting with uh, our guy Sixers Adam about it. You think about like, oh, here's a veteran presence that's just going to stabilize and be like, you know, he probably won't play in the playoffs, but if they have to play him, it'll be, you know, if, if they like him as a small ball situation with, with Ryan Ben and Tobias and Matisse, then it's like, okay, we can, we can make it work. He's never been to the second round of the playoffs. He's played for so many teams, and he's gone to the playoffs three times and lost in the first round all three times. And swept so this in two is big of those for him. times. So this is big for him. This is a big saying. chance for him, which is mm-hmm. which I like. Another another reason to be invested in in this season, if you need it. It's Anthony Tolliver finally making the second round of the playoffs. Uh, but it's cool. And I I always love ten day season. I always have. It's fun. Yep. Uh, it feels like a, a nice little speed dating trial run. So I'm excited. The little, I don't think I've ever told you this, and I will tell you off pod, and for everyone else on the pod, I will just leave it as a half nugget of info. There is an interesting Anthony Tolliver fact in that he was almost involved in what I will call a major Sixers trade of the last, I'll I'll make the window big enough, the last five years. I will tell you that, that Anthony Tolliver was almost involved in a major Sixers trade. And I will tell you, I, I've been sworn to secrecy as to what it is, but I will tell by you. By which regime? There's like there were seven regimes ago by at that point. I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Ridiculous. Because if I, if I tell you which regime, it'll narrow down who it was, like what, what trade it was. All right. So, so there you go. You, you tease this big breaking news that Anthony Thomas <laughs> had almost previously been traded to the Sixers before. Yep. And then you don't even give us the whole thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm watching the the Thunder last night and the Sixers game, and it, it definitely seemed like the Sixers looked at them, and the entire game was like, "Oh, this isn't even an NBA team." I mean, you it, know, it, like it really isn't at this point, especially without SGA. No. Without SGA, without Horford, is like which are, are two plus players, right? And SGA is SGA fake injured, or do we not know? Uh, he has plantar fasciitis. So that is, oh, okay. that seems not okay. to be fake injured. And even if it yeah. was, like, we're going to take it cautiously with them. That's kind of what you have mm-hmm. to do. I'm watching them, and I'm thinking, well, this is a fake team. And this is, like, the Sixers are, it, it looks like the varsity at a real basketball school versus the junior varsity at a fake basketball school. Right. It looked like they, they barely had to try. Is this what the process years look like to other fan bases? Um. Yes and no. I would say that uh, they're right now just missing their two best players. Um, this was Baisley's first game back, so I think uh, I think it felt just like oh, they're really underhand- shorthanded and not not trying to win right now. But the Sixers were mostly like here here, especially a couple of those years. It was we have a couple cornerstone guys that were they're really trying to get uh, improved, and and these guys were all kind of. I don't know. Maybe about the same. Maybe about the yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, there there were starting lineups where it was like, yeah, you know, Henry Sims, Jakar, Hollis. Like, like it was. Yeah. There, there were, there were some nights where it was what we, you were talking about, but there were other nights where it was like, this is a fucking disgrace. But truth be told, there was never a time, and I, unless I'm forgetting it, where we purposely sat a healthy plus player for the entire half of a season for the express purpose of losing games, which is what they're doing with Horford. And as far as I can tell, Sam Presti still has his job. 
there hasn't been any rumors about anyone taking his job away from him. But I don't remember the Sixers yeah. ever doing that. Well, look, I mean, on the on this this edition of the Sanctity Report, I think uh, <laughs> it's pretty uh, disgusting, and something should be done, and a public apology at least uh, is warranted here. I yeah. do I do really like uh, I like I like Baisley, but I obviously love Lou Dort. I really yeah. love Kenrich Williams, man. Such a such a me player. What a cool guy. Just like out there doing it all, creating as a four. Come on. He's the man. I love Kenrich. And he's got that weird like bun in the back of his head that's not actually a bun. It's sort of just like I don't I don't know what it is. It's awesome. He's great. The thing about Dort is when I was watching him in the playoffs last year, he was pretty much just a you know, three and D sort of wing. I, I didn't I mean, know not, he could hit. Not ha- much. Not a ton of three, there. Yes. Well, he would shoot them. He he didn't he didn't make a ton of them, but he would he would certainly shoot them. The I didn't know he's a pretty proficient ball handler. Like he's he's better at that than I thought he was. Yeah. You well, know? He, so he played one year at Arizona State and was like the guy there. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. And he was sort of like created a lot of havoc on both ends um, and wasn't mm-hmm. exactly polished as a ball handler, but he was doing it. Um, and he was young enough to think about him improving and getting better at that. But yeah, I mean, he's a good player. It, there's no reason yeah. why he was not uh, he was not drafted. It was dumb. And, and this, is shooting... another, this is another example of, speaking of people that were undrafted, uh, Moses Brown, who started at center mm-hmm. for uh, for the Thunder last night and went to, spent one year at UCLA, um, like he's good. Like he's he's good right now, um, and he's big and he's strong and, and he's gonna have like a fine career. And like just another example as as James Wiseman continues to suck. Like you you just can't draft a non generational center in like certainly the top five, especially the lottery. And it's just like you, you can't do it because it's a, it is a, a waste of a pick, and you can get that production from guys that are undrafted or a couple years later or let them play in the G League for a little bit and then bring them in like it's just it's just not being a like roll to the rim be big protect, protect the rim NBA big man is just like you just need to be older to do it and unless you are a generational prospect like Embiid like Jokic who was obviously wasn't drafted that high I would say like Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis and those kinds of things even I guess you could make the argument. I I would not have, but you could make the argument that DeAndre Ayton is that kind of player. Um, unless you're doing that, like you just, it's just a waste of a pick. Like you're just, you're not doing a good job. And and taking Wiseman over Lamelo Ball was a dumb thing at the time, and it's a dumb thing now. And people are surprised that Wiseman's bad, and he'll eventually be fine. Like he'll eventually be like a big. But he's a yeah, he's a young big who's you're asking to be like an offensive player. They're mostly bad, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of like. You can get that guy. You can you can go get a guy that's m- much more relevant to winning games and get just a serviceable Tony Bradley type well later and be f- and be fine. And and if it's if it ends up being like a like you find you, you come you come upon an MB type player that you're like, we have to this guy is just worth it. But like drafting James Wiseman just basically for his body and being like he's so big and all the all the rolling to the rim and look at we can, what he can do in an empty court. It's just like he's not He's not good, and he's not going to be good for a while, and he's not going to know how to, how to handle defense for a very long time, if ever. And it's just like it's another example of why, like, and NBA teams are still so fascinated with like drafting a big guy that can do stuff. But like, for the most part, unless they're a top one percent of bigs, it is it is a waste of a pick that high. 
Well, you, you should draft the guys that can actually do stuff. I think that's the, the thing with Wiseman is like, and obviously you watched him more than I did, but the highlights I watched, I was like, well, what is this guy, yeah. what is he good at, you yeah. know, especially offensively? There's like, a lot of like he... getting open tip dunks, like no yeah. one around him kind of things. And it's just like, you miss out on LaMelo Ball, who's, who might be a generational player. Stupid, and for the Warriors to be like the light years ahead team, making like a very you know 1996 decision is a really stupid idea. So last night, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, two of the hardest working players on the Sixers. Given like obviously not saying everybody doesn't work hard, but in terms of like minutes and games played, mm-hmm. getting a well deserved night off. Well deserved. Fur well deserved. Furkan Korkmaz taking advantage of it and. You know, you could see it with Embiid, but you could really see it with Firk that the Thunder were not an NBA team because <laughs> Firk was basically fucking around and dominating them. Like, you know, the floaters, threes, crafty passes, fucking what, five steals? Five steals, Dunks. career high. A lot of people talking what about a defense spike. And it's not, they weren't like cheap steals either. It was like he's reading the passing lanes. And getting an interception, he's blowing up dribble handoffs. He's getting some pokes from behind. It was a it was a full array. It was a full spread, a charcuterie plate of steals, options <laughs> there for for Korkmaz. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. He's yeah. I mean, he had a great game on both ends. It seemed like he was, you know, using looking for a shot, having that quick release. Uh, his vision and handle, I think, is, was really on display in this game. It is, How about Embiid yelling at him to shoot when I, he passed? Which I love, him. which I love that. And yeah. he, he he did shoot later that possession and missed, which is perfect. Um, yeah. I I love I love it. I think Korkmaz is absolutely going to be in the playoff rotation. Like, is he, could he get roasted by like a quick guard on a switch? Absolutely. But he's he's improved on the defensive end enough that his shooting is and his quick shooting is really valuable to this team. And I think he's earned a spot. I would I would agree with you, and their their need for shooting makes him that much more valuable. I I want to see him. I, I like watching him gain his confidence to do all of those other things against like Oklahoma City because I just want in the playoffs some other team that was not scared at all of Furk on Korkmaz. I just want to see Furk go off against one of those teams. Yeah. And I, these games are important for that. I hope, he's not lacking confidence, of course, but I, you know, watching the full array of Furk, Furkness, I want to see three, state, three straight threes and a, 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 a floater against Brooklyn or Milwaukee. Yeah. I just, I need to see it. You keep saying, I think that, Mike Scott is going to win us a playoff game, and I, I don't think that that's mm-hmm. going to happen, although Mike did play well last night um, as he feels the Anthony Tolliver train uh, breathing down his neck. Um, I do think Korkmaz is going to win us a playoff game. I think it's going to be a, like a, like a third-quarter burst of like 11 points in like four minutes, and it's just going to be... It's going to put the game to bed. It's going to be very nice. So, oh, I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that at all. My, my other favorite moment of the game, of the Thunder game was Dwight Howard's very obvious, very terrible backcourt violation pass, <laughs> which was just like... Yeah, the Danny of the game. You know, 
Yeah, it was definitely the daddy of the game. It's the one that you do in 2K, and as you're hitting the button, you're just like, no, 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 no. He's behind there. It was just so obvious and bad. Because he loves just, bringing the ball up. He loves to be like, I can do this now. Like, I've improved at this. And then actually, it's, it's actually not bad. And so he's like, all right, you're denying the ball in the backcourt. It's fine. I'll bring it up. I got it. You're in safe hands right here. I know all the right things to do. Let me just get to this spot and turn around and, oh, shit, fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, really, really tough. Um, and Embiid calmly roasting whoever was on him was, you know. Yeah, I mean, I thought awesome. I thought Embiid really looked bad against the Pelicans. I think he he, he seemed to terrible. be settling against Stephen Adams and even and even like, you know, Willie Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked a little bit about his like bulky knee brace bothering him. I think it's causing him to not be confident in his three, but also still be settling for the long long twos that he's been making. So it's not like it's not a settle in, in the like old sense, but it seems it seemed too many times like he wasn't putting the ball in the deck. He didn't really go to the line at all against the Pelicans. Uh, and in the first quarter, it was kind of the same thing against, uh, against the Thunder. But then I think he got... I honestly think when Tony Bradley came on the court, uh, I think Embiid like, got his rhythm against him because he's like, oh, I've played against this guy a thousand times in practice. Like, I I feel comfortable doing what I have to do. I think that got him going the rest of the game, and he ultimately played well and only played 27 minutes in a back-to-back, which was which was great. And a couple, it was a good blend of power dunks with, like, really nice glide-in finishes, a couple, like, little scoops and, and dip-ins. It was a, a nice display of his finesse and footwork, which is obviously insane for his size all the time. Um and it was good. To, it was good to get a, a good bounce back game from Joel, which also a nice, a nice defensive game, four blocks, which I don't think he's gotten much this season. He was getting his hands on a lot of a lot of passing lanes and a lot of uh, affecting a lot of shots, which is nice to see. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about the Grizzlies game aside from they all looked like shit. You know, Doc Pelicans, per, Pelicans game. Yeah, I keep saying Grizzlies. The Pelicans game. The, the, I mean, Doc said after the game that they, you know lacked heart or, or whatever it was that he said they mm-hmm. they just like they didn't look like they had the fight in them and that is what their offense looks like when it doesn't look good and obviously Joel to your point Joel had a bad game I it's like the first bad game he's had all season almost I, I can't even think of the last time he had it but it was a just a disaster yeah you know, that I game thought. sucked yeah. it was really yeah it was a very very rough game uh, for everybody on the roster just did not mm-hmm. did not play well, and I do like when I do like the. This is something that I think only like a, a veteran coach can do. I like the the starters not playing well. I'm playing the bench for the entire fourth quarter, like go right, fuck, yeah, like yeah. the go fuck yourself benching kind of thing. Like you're not gonna mm-hmm. guess what your your stat today. You're going down. You got 12 points now. Congrats. Your stats are your averages are are dipping because of because of how bad you played. Um, but it was a good bounce back game. I thought it was a really good passing game. Um, I think that they like Embiid obviously passed very poorly in the in the Pelicans game as well. I think he really really wants to be a good passer. He he watches a lot of bad, like he wants to do what Jokic does. He wants to do even Carl Anthony Towns is a good passer. Like he wants to be the guy that can make these fun fancy like across the court bounce pass tight window passes. And he's just not like he's just not good at it. He's never going to be a plus passer. I don't I don't want to say let, never because he's obviously an incredible player and maybe he comes back one off season that he just like have, has it figured out. But at this point, he just hasn't been. But the benefit of having, you know, all these shooters out there is he doesn't have to be. He really doesn't have to be that great of a passer. He just has to continue making the simple pass, accepting the double team because it it comes all the time, and then just like 
make the simple pass out to the out to three point line, a couple swings, attacking a closeout, which the Sixers did really nicely against against OKC, and finding an open shot, whether that ends up being a, a drive to the rim or another kick out for for an open three. So I don't I don't and then because they did that, they only turned the ball over nine times, um, which has been the trend lately of, of fewer turnovers. Uh, ben had none. And uh, when there's fewer turnovers, there's fewer leak outs for the other team, which is where the Sixers defense gets gets burned because they can't. They're the worst uh, transition defense in the league. Um, so that makes their defense a lot better. They only put the uh, Thunder G League team, allowed them to score 93 points. Uh, so that's, I think it's the passing is always going to be something that bugs me. And Embiid had four assists and two turnovers. That's fine. But it's, I think. At this point, just making the simple pass and allowing, like, allowing your offensive flow and rhythm and just like swing, swing, cut type of thing to to make it happen, I think is is the way forward for now. Yeah, I think the the, the reason Embiid isn't well, first of all, not everybody can be Jokic. Embiid sees those passes when they're there, as opposed to a second before them being there. Like he he makes the pass when we all see the pass that he wants to make, and they're just not like as crisp and and you know, and uh, and well-placed as Jokic's are. So there's just like a lot more room for error when he makes those passes and, or a lot more like he just, you have to be really good to make those passes. You have to be good at that specifically. And he's just not great at that specifically. Um, but yeah, I agree. And I think this year he's done more of making that simple pass than he ever has before um, at, because they lead to buckets more than they ever have before. So I just hope what's going to happen in the playoffs is that teams are going to, I would think, generally aggressively double him and try to hassle him mm-hmm. into those. And he has to just be very, very, everyone has to be very, very clear that what he's going to do when that happens is make the easy pass. And that's what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be fine if he does that. Yeah. And to your point, I think you made this point months ago, it, it's still currently the lowest turnover percentage of the of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just keep doing that and hopefully... It just seems like the Sixers, when they double Joel, it becomes a, they essentially play a zone against the uh, uh, three guys on defense against the other four guys. Mm-hmm. And it seems like whether it's cutters or the correct spacing or whatever, they've never been able to get really easy buckets out of that double team. It, it requires them to do the simple pass and then swing, swing as the defense tries to rotate and collapse and all that stuff. Um It'd be nice to see. I don't know why. Like Brett couldn't figure it out. Doc couldn't figure it out. The the team around him, whatever it is. Maybe it's maybe it's just the personnel. Maybe it's Joel. But it just seems like when other guys get doubled that are that are better passing big men, which obviously doesn't happen that much in the league anymore. But when that happens, they there's so many like I'm just imagine, I mean I think of Jokic. Like it seems like Gary Harris just gets like a a a really easy layup underneath the underneath the basket. And I just think it, it's never. It doesn't seem to ever be that for Joel. And I would love to, over the course of his career, like develop that to just be like, hey, if you double me, I'm going to get an easy bucket, not like a, it's going to require six passes mm-hmm. to get like a sort of sidestep, you know, Danny Green three or Corkmust three or whatever it is. Like it'd be it'd be nice to get some some easy looks out of it. And maybe that's maybe that's because if Ben's just in the dunker spot and there and it becomes an e- easier defensive situation. But I'd like to see it. Eventually. Well, I would imagine when just for a moment take take. Been off the court for that, and the the team around Embiid is George Hill, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. It's got to be easier to make that for for those things to happen if it's those four guys on the court. I, I would think, 
you know. I agree yeah. with you, but with those four guys on the court, all of whom could hit that shot, I just think there's a little more room to run those cuts and for one guy to be one pass away rather or two passes away even rather than three or four passes away. Yeah, for sure. There has never been a year, I don't think, in my life, in my 44 years, where uh, taking care of yourself, health, your your body has been more in focus than this past year. Wouldn't you say, right? I mean, looking at how healthy we are, right? Well, certainly not for me. Yeah. Not <laughs> a chance. The, uh, your health is super important. Body bio. So body bio, I know you think about supplement companies, big hulking supplement companies. It's not body bio. Body bio is a locally owned, locally, a family owned business. And why is that important? Well, it's important because as science evolves, which it does quickly, as like what we know about your health evolves, which it does quickly, they are um, small enough to where they can pivot. They can change the formulas on things. They can realize that this is important or that is important. That's body bio, right? Body bio com Ricky listeners, Mike, Ricky listener. I don't think Jess is a Ricky listener, but we'll make her one. Anyway, one of the things about your health that is super important is being hydrated, right? And it's not just, I mentioned the problem that I had that, that Elite from Body Bio solved, which I got cramps in my feet and my legs all the time. What happened when I was driving, what happened when I was podcasting all the time. It was because I wasn't hydrated properly. But the amount of like, it's really hydration and sleep are so important. Hydration, sleep, your gut, those are all so important. Being properly hydrated will affect how much energy you have. It will affect how healthy you are. All of these things. Get Elite. All you do is you take a capful of it. You put it in whatever you drink. In my case, it's, uh, it's either Spindrift or water. You do it in the morning, at night, and it will make sure that you're balanced the right way. Now, you may say, I see these drinks, you know, when I go into Wawa or the gas station uh, that have, they're purple, they're orange. They say they, they have electrolytes. It's true, they do. But they also have sugar. They also have artificial colors and flavors. Elite doesn't have any of that stuff. It is just what you need to make sure that your hydration is on point. Potassium, magnesium, sodium. No sugar, no, flavor, no flavorings, none of that stuff. Get Elite. Try it. 20% off. Elite at Body Bio and everything on the Body Bio website with promo code RTRS20. I've heard from a bunch of Ricky listeners so far. One dude uh, always got cramps after spin class, started with Elite. No more. Just a little bit every day, um, 20% off. Um, just give it a try. I promise you it'll work. I promise. Um, and while you're at the Body Bio site, see the other stuff they offer, which we'll get into as the months evolve. Um, bodybio.com, promo code RTRS20. Back to the Ricky. I thought it was nice that to see. Uh, I love watching Ben and Joel like look for each other because like, in past years it just like hasn't it just hasn't happened as much. It became like a, this is a Ben possession, this is an Embiid possession, and I think this season is the most. They're looking for each other on duck ins when they're underneath on seals with a mismatch, and Joel or Ben he's like gets a foul there if they're if he's just like pummeling somebody into the into dust underneath the rim, um, and they ha they connected on a. Uh, fake snug pick and roll into a lob for, for Joel, which I always love. Um, it feels like they, they genuinely enjoy doing that too. They're always like big smiles after that kind of thing, which is nice. Um, and it was nice to see, uh, three Ben Simmons jumpers in this game, uh, all off the dribble. He made two of them. Um, I didn't like, he's always fading. He's never mm -hmm. just like going up straight up. It's always like a, a little like fading situation, but that's how he's comfortable shooting. Um, but I thought it was nice that he, Took them and 
and hit them and didn't turn the ball over. It was a it was like a it was seemed like a low stakes Ben game, um, but it was also like a a, a low uh, low on mistakes as well. Yeah, I would agree. I, I wanted like it'd be good if he does those. I, I think he feels like a great amount of confidence against a team like that shooting those. That mm-hmm. the a because the stakes are low and b because they're not any good. It would. You know, you, you see how much mid-range jumpers can help Tobias Harris, who has lived off of them, or Seth Curry or Embiid. You know, I'm, I'm not like, I don't want Simmons taking 75 mid-range jumpers, but I think dribbling into, if they're going to give, if they're going to play seven feet off you, or if they're not even going to guard you 12 feet away, like mm-hmm. taking those shots is, is important. Yeah. Yeah. Even just doing it. I, I mean, it's not, it's not the kind of thing, <laughs> like when, when you're defending a guy like that and you know he's never going to shoot, that... When he shoots one time and it goes in, it becomes that, okay, he made it. Like, I can't mm-hmm. just let that happen again. And yeah. then that opens up other stuff. Like, even if he's not great at it, even if the numbers don't say, like, that's an efficient shot, it's just, like, in the flow of a game, it, it just helps to helps to do. I also thought it was a nice, and we always say, talk to, talked about Korkmaz starting, but a really nice Matisse game. Yeah, I thought so, too. Just doing, just doing what he does. <laughs> 27 minutes, one of two, all on threes. Three steals, uh, right? Three steals, two blocks. Like, just doing his, it just, it is so fun to watch. I mean, it's easier when they're young guys that that some of them don't have a place on the court. But it's so fun to watch Matisse just like confound unsuspecting ball handlers with his length, or just like, "Hey, I have an open shot," and then, "No, you do not." It, Did you uh, see that the, the Ferk quotes afterwards about I Matisse? I, I loved it, man. I love He's, any anytime they give get get a Corkmaz quote. It is it is always a hit for me. Well, the the quote was something like the second part of it was something like. Matisse always pisses you off when he guards you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like said so that you're always pissed off, which is a good thing, you know? You want you want you want the opposing player to be pissed off. You know, I'm sure it yeah. drives his, fucking Ferk nuts in practice. Yeah. For sure. His defensive ability is just out of the roof, you know? Which is just great. I just love it. It's very it really carries the tradition of Dario of of, of second language English guys like saying something very close to being correct in a very, very charming way. I think it's delightful. It's such a bummer um, you didn't get to talk to him on that pod when we talked to when I talked fun. to Ferk. You weren't able to go. You were in town and I think there was a, a sickness. I was sick. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've th- thought about I because my I don't know, whatever. It was, it was December 2019, so there's a chance that I had, there was COVID going around that could have been something like that. Who knows? But I was sick at that time and, and couldn't go, yeah. It was a bummer. It was December 20, yeah, I guess it must have been. Yeah, boy, boy, man, the last year and a half really fucking is a yeah, blur. It's been bad. Although I did uh, uh, a couple of days ago get my second shot. So I am uh, I'm on the way to, to full vaccination and, uh, and getting a fucking haircut. Congrats, man. I got my first... My first barber haircut a week and a half ago. And I was like, oh, there is a very big difference between what he is able to do and what I am able to do by myself with clippers. So he he told me and this is his job. Yeah. Really. He was like, Nafis was like, Yeah, you know the top it's not even. Like there's one side that is higher than the other side. And I said, Well, you know, that's why I pay you, man. That's why I pay you. There you go. The heart, you I, did, I do want to say, yeah. sorry about the yeah. one final thing about the game. There was, I have to, I'm, I'm sort of on, not to be Sixers Adam on everybody, but I'm sort of on lineup watch at this point. Mm. Uh, and obviously without two short, two shooters in, in Danny and Tobias, it is, it becomes uh, a little dicey as far as who gets to play. 20 and minutes from uh, Maxi. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought a pretty nice Maxi game getting, getting to the rim. 
uh, into the line and like mm-hmm. making tough some tough finishes. He never really gets separation, no. even though he's so quick and so good with the ball. But he finishes in spite of it. I wondered. I'm I'm really interested to see how his game develops because he is so fast and so fast with the ball. But he, and he can get to the rim. I wonder like how he's how his game's going to develop mm-hmm. with like well he should be able to get more separation from guys because he is. He has the ability to, but he seems to never do it. But he still finishes in spite of that, and I, I think it's a good trade also. Uh, but I wanted to mention that the lineup that Doc had run out uh, at one point, which was Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, Mike Scott, Ben Simmons, Dwight Howard. That is tough. Yeah. That is a tough lineup. That is a that is Doc really rebelling against. Not only am I going to play Matisse, Ben, and Dwight together, but I'm going to play him with the shooters being Mike Scott, who was was a very willing shooter in this game, uh, especially with Tobias out, and it seemed like he was he was having less of a conscience as a as a shooter, which is good. Um, but he's been uh, very hesitant there, and Tyrese Maxey, who a similar thing, although lately he has been willing to shoot more. But that is a that is a tough lineup of guys, none of whom are shooting over like thirty three percent from three. Uh, and well, Doc just stick sticking to his guns. I don't think they were out there for that long, but I was definitely on. Uh, hey, let's look at the score now, and then let's see what the <laughs> score will be when they come out. Well, you did mention it. In fairness to Doc, without Danny Green, their best three point shooter so far this year, you know, in terms of volume and percentage, and Tobias Harris, who is a competent three point shooter. I mean, it it is tough to put. You know, we're deficient anyway. So with those two guys out, it is tough to. 70 minutes basically of of lineup that is gone you know you got you got to give me one of shake or Korkmaz or seth or even isaiah joe in that lineup it's gotta it's gotta happen we do have a good seth question in the mailbag that i'm excited to get to the hard to stomach youtube comment of the week leave us a comment Right down there. We'll, we'll read one. Brought to us by Kinetic Skateboarding. Did you see those shorts that went up yesterday? Kinetic? Really nice. Oh, really yeah. Nice. Like sweatshirt shorts. Really great with the Kinetic logo on there. We got a... Ben at Kinetic has talked about doing another Ricky Mesh shorts. Maybe we do them this summer. Kinetic Skateboarding. You don't need to be a skateboarder. I'm not a skateboarder. I buy plenty of shit from there. But if you are, they're doing... They have these fucking Nike Dunk, this Nike Dunk raffle going on right now. Anyway, KineticSkateboarding.com. Promo code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. Actually, two YouTube comments. The first from TW, talking about the Sam Hinkie letter that we reflected on on the last pod, the five-year anniversary. With a few years of hindsight and all the context in the world, that resignation letter is the most insane thing I've ever read. We, we yeah. did salute it a lot when it came out. And in retrospect, a lot about Sam seems crazier than, than it seemed <laughs> when it was going on, you know? Uh... Yeah, I think it was always crazy. Yeah. It's always an insane thing to do. A lot of it was fun. I liked I liked the passive aggressive digs within that, mm-hmm. but I've never reread it. And there's a chance that I never even read the whole thing. It might have been just like a little a bit much for me the whole time. I was at the time just more pissed off that it happened. Yeah. Than anything else. And then the second one, Jake the, I'm reading this. Jacob has emailed, has left several comments. And Mike, I need to ask you what I'm supposed to do here. Jacob says, Spike, please, you're depriving me of my full pod experience. I come here because Sixers Reddit is too pro-Ben. Mention one thing wrong he does and you get downvoted into oblivion. I need your Ben takes. Two years ago, you said on a pod that if he doesn't shoot by the end of next year, I will officially be done with him. 
It's time to be done with him. Remember when we were delusional to think back in our minds, maybe Danny Green will actually get him and he'll shoot the ball? Ha ha. So he's begging me to be more critical of Simmons. I sort of found myself in this world where I don't know what to say anymore. Like, I don't want to sit here and get on the pod every week and just like blast him for not doing what I don't expect him to do. I expect him to be exactly Ben Simmons all the time, um, which he is. Like, I... I, I, I'm never going to be rosy about it, but I'm not going to be like hypercritical anymore, at least until after the playoffs and we see what happens there. Is that the right way to handle it? I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, do what you want, man. You're yeah. your own person. You yeah. Can, you can do how it is. I think, I think that I've, I've been a uh, Ben Simmons centrist for the past couple of years as being, I don't think he's uh, as great as everyone, as, as his most ardent mm-hmm. supporters think and I don't think that he's nearly as, as bad as his ardent detractors think uh, so I feel like I'm, I'm kind of in, in the middle there um, he's helpful to this team and, and now that they've um, Daryl has gotten a, a much more uh, well-fitting team around him and Joel it's become uh, easier to stomach the things that he doesn't do but it would be nice if he did some of those other things I'm not gonna lie for sure yeah I think I'm closer to this I, I think like my my the hyperbole version of me is not close to the center. I think what I actually think is probably closer to the center, but I think the center compared to either side is pretty far away, you know, has become at this point. Um, so I don't really know. Yeah. I don't even really know what I think anymore. I'll, I'll, That's fair. You know, I, I do agree with you that your, your offensive game should grow if you're going to be that position, if you're going to be a, if your usage is going to be 20 or 25%, it just should. And it hasn't. And I think that is frustrating for me, but what I, what I won't say, like what I will accept him as is the player that he can be, that is good. What I won't accept is like the notion that your lead ball handler doesn't need to like shoot or get to the line or and and still be effective. It's just impossible. Like I, I that's where I am on it. So I'm sorry, Jacob. Wait till after the playoffs are over. Maybe you'll get the guy that that you want. I just like I don't want to bum people out by like just ripping the guy every time either. So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, I do think his game has improved. It just hasn't improved consistently for like a long stretch of time. I think that he has added things to his game that. You know his free throw rate has gone up every year, and this year is is significantly his his highest free throw rate. And I think that he's done more in the half court uh, and shown more that he can do than he has in in previous years. But not enough, not as often as I want it to be, and uh, and it would be it would it would open things up a lot nicely if 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 he could do more of those things. Um, and and there's definitely no doubt about that. Like. He's had a couple stretches, really bad stretches of this year, with one really great stretch. So it's it's hard to know. He's he's always going to be somewhere in between that, I think, until he really takes his game to the next level. Free throw rate is a tricky stat too, because I I believe it's you know a a it's based on the percentage of shots you take, and mm-hmm. his, his shots per game are the lowest of his career. So. I, he's at like 5.4 free throws a game, and he was at 5.2 last year. So it is his highest free throw rate, but he's shooting the same percentage from the line, and it's like less than a half of one more free throw per game. So 
In fewer in fewer minutes, though. Let's let's if we're parsing, and which I always will parse. Um, he is he is uh, playing fewer minutes, which I also also obviously like. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and here I am in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about Anthony Tolliver already. We talked about uh, Iggy Bradzikas gone. George Hill did speak. The one thing he said was he reiterated sort of what Doc Rivers had said about taking it slow. He said, oh, I will definitely be back for the playoffs. And I'm like, hmm, well, that is not a ringing, that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. If you knew, you, Mike, if you were the general manager, and you knew that Hill wouldn't be back until the playoffs are close to it, would you have just, would you have traded more to go in a different direction? And I don't know that it means, I don't even know what that is. And I don't know that it means you go all in for Lowry or whatever. But this kind of sucks that he's not playing at all, I think. Uh, it doesn't matter. It I, doesn't. I know it's like a kind of thing. Like there, there's only 17 games until the playoffs. Um, right? It's 70 game season, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're 36 and 17. And, uh, so I think he'll, if he plays in the last like ten games of the season, eight games of the season, to get like some rhythm with the guys, then I think it's it's probably fine. I think it is bizarre that every Sixers midseason acquisition has to go through some you know deal with the devil or like some you know some sort of uh, sphinx in a maze or something that you have to like answer three questions and like sacrifice one part of your body in order to like to play, play. Pass yeah. the to keep going and pass it. Um, but I think that he'll be, it'll, it'll, it will, it will fit seamlessly. And because he is a, um, a veteran that has played in these kinds of situations before and, and knows exactly what his role is. I do think it won't take long to sort of blend in and stuff, but it is, you know, it is, it is, uh, surreal that it continues to happen. I, I can't but wait I to see what the thing is next year that happens to the guy we trade for at the trade deadline that prevents him from playing right away. You know, yeah. Whether it's, it's nice. GR three Alec Burks getting lost, or George Hill's injury all of a sudden taking much longer to heal from than we had actually believed. You know, yeah. It's I think this is all kind of uh, comeuppance for Dario coming over when there was a coup. Yes. And I think I think that uh, we've sort of benefited from something there, and then we will be paying for it for years years to come. The Lorenzo Brown... Speak, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of Dario, the Suns, the Suns look great, and the Sixers have a... Uh, we'll play the Suns pretty soon. They have a very tough stretch coming up, and then, and then the rest of their season is re- very easy. Yeah, the last seven uh, games are pretty easy, I think. Less, yeah. yeah. Ma- Mavericks, Nets, Clippers, Warriors, Dario's, Suns. And then two road games against the Bucks in a row. That is a tough. That is a tough stretch right there. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can hover around five hundred in those seven games, um, if they go three and four or four and three, like I'll, that's like that's kind of fine. I would like to go four and three. Like yeah, I think they should go four win, and three. Win one of the Bucks games, beat the Mavericks, win uh, one of the Nets or Clippers, and win one of the. Warriors or Suns, I would feel, I feel okay. Four and three sounds fine to that to me. We lost to the Suns already, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the Sixers will beat the Suns. That yeah. that'll be my prediction. Good team though, playing great, unbelievable. 
The sure. Lorenzo it's Brown. Be, it's gonna be really good playoffs. I'm very excited for the playoffs. I think so because it's been a shitty regular season. It's just like everybody's playing for the for the playoffs. It's just like it's the most mailed in regular season in history, and I'm cu- I, like I miss it because I like the regular season, but I just like. It's just been a bad regular season, predictably, but it's been a bad regular season. So I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed. Not for the Sixers. For the no. Sixers, it's been a great right. regular season. Right, 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 right. We're, we're, the, we're the new Mike Budenholzer team. Right. We're the regular oh, season. no. Don't say That's that. Great. Don't say that. Did you know, both, all of Tobias, Seth, and Danny are over 40% from three. It's very wild. I'm, and it's pretty surreal that it's happening. And, I, and I, I'm concerned that the bottom's going to fall off at some point. But it's nice for now. Well, uh, hopefully it doesn't happen after May 9th or whenever the playoffs starts. Yeah. Lorenzo Brown Mailbag writes to rickysanchez at gmail.com. One basketball, one non-basketball is what we prefer. Or if you want to wrap it all up into one question that encapsulates both, that's fine. This comes from Chris. In the wake of the Sixers' domination of the rebuilding Celtics, I couldn't help but revisit the infamous We Are Fucked segment from just after the 2018 playoffs. Since the release of the segment, the Sixers have had some devastatingly awful outcomes, both directly and indirectly. After the Sixers were routed in the playoffs by Boston, it looked like it was written in stone. The Celtics had the better team and would be the better team for the foreseeable future. For every Al Horford signing, there was a letting Gordon Hayward go for nothing while also having Kemba Walker playing like a shell of himself on a max contract. Can we now confidently say, with some certainty, that if Embiid maintains this level of dominance, the Sixers will be better than the Celtics for his entire prime. I mean, no. And this is the point that I was making then, is that so many things have happened since then in in less than three years. Yes. It is a, things change quickly. And And for you to say, for you at the time to say we're fucked was insane in the moment. But, and remains insane now. And it's insane to say that, oh, we can confidently say anything. I think because Embiid is is going to be the best player between uh, Boston and Philadelphia for, for a long time, then then maybe you can say, if Embi- yes, if Embiid is this good for five to seven more years, then, then yeah, they're going to be in really great shape. Um, but we don't know what the Celtics are going to do, and, and it's a, a, lot, a lot can happen in that time. That's why it was always... Well, it was always very funny right away that you go, like, we're fucked forever. Oh, well, come on. Like, the one time I react emotionally, I'm, I'm held over my, <laughs> my it was head. A d- it was a dumb reaction. Mine, mine, is, no, mine, no. Is, uh, mine is, 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 a, is a crime of passion. Yeah, I give yours is, yours is, is a crime of pessimism and assuming it's going to be the same. No. I, I think, like, look, to your point about what can happen is we did get, um, luck is the wrong word, but... The two things that happened to the Celtics in there that really screwed up everything were Gordon Hayward getting hurt and never really coming back and and Kyrie Irving leaving. Now, you could certainly say that when you trade for Kyrie Irving, you are risking his he's certainly like not the most dependable dude in the world, for sure. But I I would say that I'm not, I, while I will publicly write the Celtics off, having Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at their ages is oh, yeah. a, a good, there's, there's something weird with Marcus Smart there, obviously, but like I would not, I would not write that off just yet is, is no, what I course. would say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying this season of, of, of them mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, plagued and mm-hmm. falling apart and, uh, 
Brad Stevens perhaps legitimately being on a hot seat. How about it? And, after uh, all these years. After all these years. And, uh, but uh, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, Jalen Brown has, has actually gotten significantly better. And so, like, yeah. that's, that's scary. And I hope they trade him uh, anywhere. Uh, but yeah, it's, no one's fucked. No one, not even the, the Thunder aren't fucked. The Bulls aren't fucked. Things can change quick. It's really, it's, it's, not, it's not that hard to do. From Arnie. Or A-R-N-E. Would that just be Arnie or would it be Arn? Could be Arn. Yeah, I don't know. Let us know, Arn. Spike and Mike, I noticed, I love this question. Spike and Mike, I noticed during games that Seth Curry always seems like he's trying very hard to look cool. <laughs> I am a fan of his, and I don't mean this disparagingly, <laughs> but he always has a swagger that seems a bit forced, like he has a fake limp. Is it possible that Curry could vastly improve his defense by not trying so hard to look so cool while defending? Wild. Mike? Wild questions. A, a, wild, a, really, uh, a, really, a really sick, sick question. Uh, he is, he does, I could see thinking that he has like some little brother syndrome that he's doing like the same thing that Seth does, that Steph does. And like trying to do the mouthpiece thing and whatever it is. It sounds ridiculous to... when he asked the question, but then when you think about Seth Curry on the court, you're like, eh, he has a little I don't bit think of he's a trying, I don't think he's trying to look cool. I think he mostly is just like, I'm doing my job. And it's and it's sort of like a, there's not a lot of like, like passion in it. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's a cool, I don't think it's a cool thing. I think he's just sort of focused on like doing what he has to do. And it, as far as like improving his defense, like, he is the best at defense as a guy at his height and weight and wingspan could possibly be. Yeah, his physical um, capabilities limit him. He yes. should be a fucking terrible defender. Looking yes, at he should be terrible, and, he, yeah. and he's absolutely not. And so I, I definitely don't think he's trying so hard to look cool while defending. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good question. I love the mailbag. For my non-basketball question... If you had to have one of your sponsors in your spare bedroom for the rest of your life, which would it be? They would only compensate you for the room using the skills for their job. For example, if you lived with LL, you would never have to worry about your watches having a dead watch battery and your jewelry would always be fixed and nicely polished. Love the pod. Thanks. This is a tough question. Uh, well, I don't have a spare bedroom at, at the moment, so it would be the couch. So LL will be living on the couch. Mm -hmm. Um it would be, I think, I mean, I would be happy to have a spare bedroom. That would be nice. And I would, I would try to make any of the sponsors as, as comfortable as possible. But I, you know, LL's been with us the longest. It's, it's hard to go away from LL in these kinds of questions because, because I know him the most. You know but, what you're you know, getting with LL. You know what you're getting. I feel like he would, I feel like he'd be wearing the, wearing the, like, chef, the chef, uh, what is it called? The chef. The it's not a smock. <laughs> no, the, like, the chef robe? No. It's a it's an apron, apron. Yeah, a chef apron. Obviously, I'm doing a lot of very intense cooking, um, so that'd be fine. But I feel like I feel like all of them would be would be nice. I feel like Cor uh, Cornblow would be would be doing his thing in there. Yeah, uh, making making things better and and suing know, people, suing suing my landlord. Um, <laughs> any of those kinds of things. I feel like uh, I feel like I got a bunch of good sponsors that I would I would love to live with in a spare bedroom. I come down to. The, th the point he brings up is the, um, they would only compensate you for the room using the skills for their job. Now, this isn't the skill from his job, but Ben from Kinetic is vegan 
and does cook good vegan things. And having him in the spare bedroom, I feel like I would get good vegan dinners from Ben. I don't need him to compensate me that way. I just need it to be part of his existence and he has to eat. So I think that would be good. You know, like, I don't know how Mike from Body Bio is helping me. Eric is like good at SEO from Big Barker. Like, I don't know how, like Mike from from uh by nature i don't know how he's fucking helping me all nice people obviously kasabi mm-hmm. he can't find me another house he's stuck in my maybe he can find himself another house i don't know yeah yeah wouldn't really help much yeah this comes from darren um wouldn't austin rivers be a good pickup for us would it weren't this is an australian and i've never heard this phrase before but i guess it's something they say would it worm with doc they seem to have a strange relationship I love Austin Rivers, but if they were going to sign him, they would have signed him already, right? I, yeah, I'm not. I'm. I've never been an Austin Rivers guy. I do think that later in his career, he's worked himself into being like a, a fine player, mm-hmm. um, and able to get his own shot. And and especially in the Rockets, sort of switch everything defense. He he held up really well, um, and I was I was impressed by how much he, just like, stuck with it. Um, but no, I don't I don't think. I don't think there's much there. I mean, he's a very streaky shooter. He's the guy who falls asleep defensively on the um, off ball. I don't know if he fits, and I really don't know what the duck. I mean, having Seth Curry feels like enough, and and already a little, still a little scary yeah. as the season goes on. Um, Austin would be would be really would be testing, testing yeah. everything. Maybe Karen Morey. If we're just if we're gonna bring. Children onto the team. I don't know. Yeah. Give her a 10 day. I don't know. Whatever. There you go. And non basketball question if you could, I'm just thinking, I wish I'd thought about this before I'd read it. So I'm going to have to do it as I think. If you could only watch three movies for the rest of your life as many times as you want, but only these three, what would you choose? Um, okay. I would probably say, let me look for a quick second. There's I, there's a rewatchable there's a rewatchable quality to n- movies that are not my favorite movies yes. all the time, but um, yep. I would probably say I would have to say I'm, I'm going to cheat and say Lord of the Rings, which I watch every Christmas as a mm-hmm. as a regular regular situation uh, over the Christmas break. Um, I would say um, I have a third one that I'm excited to say. I'd probably say Groundhog Day oh. as a as, a, as an option there, and then I would, and then I would say um, there's some irony in that selection too. And yeah, then, for sure. Yeah. And then I would, uh, and then I would say Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence. I've watched that movie a billion times, um, and it's always good. I love it. So those yes, are my three. yeah. So I agree. That's there, I think of the three, the only one that I would put as one of my favorites is a Ghost Story. It is a very depressing movie to have for the rest of my life, but I really do love it. I love that movie so much. So I'd pick his ghost Watching story. Watching it over and over again. Yeah. Repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, I would pick Superbad, which is not one of my five favorite, but I will watch it every time it's on. Or actually, Superbad out, get him to the Greek in. So I'd pick a ghost story, get him to the Greek, and I would pick either Notting Hill or The Mexican. That's a, those are very different movies. No. I like Notting Hill. They're both, uh, they're both rom-coms in some way. They're both about relationships in some way. Um, like, you know, Mexican Julia Roberts and uh, Brad Pitt and Notting Hill, 
Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant, right? I love Notting mm-hmm. Hill. I'd probably settle on Notting Hill, I think, of the two. Okay. When I, uh, I woke up this morning and um, I ended up watching the game this morning and I went to prep the pod and was looking at Twitter. And Mike, there was something glorious that I love to see after a win is a Lee Pavorsky screenshot of the top of the box score that he saw on Twitter along with some tweet under it. It was that's when you know the Sixers have really won when you see him tweeting a screenshot the next morning of the score. Yeah, that's the victory cigar. Yeah, the victory scar is LL tweeting a screenshot of the box score. I'm actually just impressed that he can take screenshots. I wonder wonder when that happened. Maybe maybe that's why he does it so much. Maybe he's proud of his ability. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, our original sponsor, the first sponsor of the Ricky, and just the best screenshotter there is. It seems to be we're at a bit of a, a lull. We've been, I think, at 211 or 212, right, Ricky Sanchez listeners who have purchased engagement rings from Lee for a little bit of a while. I, I feel like it's been a little bit since he's tweeted a new one. So I wonder if we've come to the end of anyone who listens to us who is willing to get married. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Yeah. Maybe people are uh, we're tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's, a, there's, it. there's sort of an artificial limit, sort of plateauing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Al Pavorsky Jewelers, as I mentioned, the uh, original sponsor of the Ricky and uh, and just the best. We kid. There's obviously more people that need to get engaged, and LL is the person to get the ring from. There is a reason that store has been there. Al Pavorsky Jewelers sitting there at 707 Walnut for more than 30 years. It is because it's in a very bad neighborhood and no one, no, I'm just kidding. It's because he's done such a great job and he continues to do a great job and he takes care of all of our listeners. And I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but somebody had asked me, sent me a DM asking me the question, like he will, as far as price, he will, whatever your price range is, Lee will take care of you. He treats everyone like a a million dollar customer. Do not worry if you want to spend $1,500 on an engagement ring, um, anywhere from, you know, $1,000 to $100,000. He's going to take the same great care of you. One-on-one service, appointment only, whether it's in person, whether it's online, make an appointment with Lee and he'll take care of you. 215-627-2252 is the phone number. If you want to email him to make an appointment, lee at llpavorsky.com. If you want to check out his Twitter with the screenshots, it's at... L.L. Pavorsky, of course, supporting our charities, the Providence Animal Center, and Coded by Kids, just for years. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Hassling the preteen children of other listeners to grow up and get engaged already. This comes from Tom. On the last pod, Mike casually mentioned the trauma that ensued following the Embiid Raptors airplane moment. It made me relive my own trauma surrounding the quadruple bounce shot, and while I remember the play vividly, Where I was had blocked out some of the specifics until today. It was the day after my wedding. And since my my wife is a resident physician and her schedule would not allow for a post-wedding honeymoon, we just came back to our home the day after our wedding. She was cool with me watching game seven with the caveat of, quote, win or lose, you have five minutes to get over it and move on. It's the day after our wedding. I agreed. The shot went in, and I went into full breakdown mode, and she said to me, that sucks. I'm sorry. You have five minutes to be pissed off. Good for her. (laughs) Yep. I complied and internalized my feelings, and we had a nice night recapping our wedding. I confirmed this with her today. My question is, 
what sport Philly sports moments would it be impossible to compartmentalize and get over within five minutes in Philly history and sports history overall? Um, I mean, that's the one. The fact that he did it is is really impressive. I was I was at my uh, my parents' previous. They had just moved out of my childhood home, and they were they downsized, and they don't live there anymore. Which I think I really do think the Kawhi shot happening there was maybe a factor in wanting to just get the bad, bad vibes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone dying in there, we gotta be just we just gotta move and move on. Um, and that's when I I just laid on the ground for a while and did the podcast. Um, oh, yeah, that that was tough. I I would say maybe. Uh, any of the early 2000s Eagles NFC Championship losses. Uh, all tough, yeah. We're tough to hit. The, the T- Tampa Bay and Carolina particularly. Um, it's tough. The, like the Alshon dropping it against uh, New Orleans and um, Pedro throwing a, a high fastball on an 0-2 count to Hideki Matsui. Um, both happened the year after they had won yeah. so made uh, it less Championship painful. World Series. And so it's it's easier it's easier to sort of stomach those moments because it was they had just been successful so recently. Um, I mean, yeah, I would I Iguodala getting locked up by Tayshawn Prince in what seeming what seemed to be every Piston series every year of my like teen years um, was was pretty brutal, and I I definitely like broke a few cabinets in my in my room at that time when I was like. 12 or whatever, uh, punched a few doors and stuff. So that was tough. I've never been able to, if you ask Alyssa, I've never been good at getting over anything very quickly. Um, but, uh, I think I'm getting, I think I'm getting better at it. I'm not punching anything anymore, slamming anything or breaking anything, just a foam roller here and there. Um, the last time I punched something was John Starks's legendary poor performance against the Rockets in the finals. Um, you haven't punched anything in reaction to anything since? In, in reaction to sports, no, I haven't. Um, That's crazy. I, well, I broke I broke the window in our back screen door, and like my hand was bleeding after it. You punched a window? Yeah, I. So in our back screen door, we had a screen, and then like and then like uh, glass like slots. I guess you could say this is during this is during John Starks. Yeah, it was afterwards, and I went out just to drive, and I punched the screen, not thinking about the fact that there were glass pieces outside of it and broke the glass, and my hand was bleeding. So I stopped punching things because of sports. The Alshon one sticks with me only because it would have been so magical to do that twice with Foles. And if you want to talk about sports history, I would imagine, though I'm not fans of either team, Scott Norwood, wide right. And if you're a Falcons fan, blowing that Super Bowl. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, I was was staying more Philly. I would also say... I mean, the, the Flyers getting swept by the Red Wings right. uh, when I was, like, seven or eight, mm-hmm. like, kept me from... I don't like hockey anymore because of that series. That series, like, broke me for good. Yeah. Um, and I've never, I never came back. It was just... It was too, too much of a trauma to just get absolutely wrecked by that team. Non-basketball uh, question. What length of non-dress socks do you wear? Uh, I, mix it, I mix it up. Sometimes a quarter length. Sometimes a, just a high and a, a sort of a sort of scrunch down and sometimes when the when the outfit calls for it a couple no shows i'm totally with you the the socks that i like now that i didn't think i used to like are the length that does go over the calf i have my mom got me these 
uh, is Bonobos or Bonobos. I don't, I don't know the, the name of it. Or no, Bombas, Bombas socks mm-hmm. with, with Sesame Street characters on them. And they're, they're pretty high, but they're awfully comfortable. And Stance socks. If I, I've, our friend, or I don't know if your friends with Svee, but Svee Tversky used to work at Stance, used to send me a bunch of stuff. And if they're good socks, I'm okay with them being high. Um, I, like, I like Stance. Yeah, good socks. Two more. One from John. Hey, Spike and Verified Mike. I want to preface this. I want to preface this by saying that Ben, I like Ben Simmons. I think he brings a lot to the table for the Sixers. With that being said, he's obviously one of the most frustrating but good players in Philly sports history. If aggressive Ben shooting 70-ish percent from the line was guaranteed to be on the court every game, this wouldn't even be a good thought experiment. However, if you were to make a one-for-one trade of Ben Simmons for Russell Westbrook, which Sixers team would be more of a threat in the playoffs? Disclaimer. We're talking about this year's playoffs only, contract numbers go out the window, and Bede Westbrook in- guaranteed to have the same chemistry as Embiid Simmons, and the rest of the roster stays the same. Uh, no. I mean, absolutely not. Russell Westbrook is not a good player at this point in his career. And, like, the stuff that Ben doesn't do is absolutely frustrating. I'm not going to say that Ben is not, like, an occasionally very frustrating player to watch and root for. Um but almost in it is almost entirely different experience because Ben is you know I'd rather Ben be passive and swing the ball to try to find a, a better shot for you know a better shooter than Westbrook who like commandeers possessions and uh, you know they're also not guarding him from three and he could just totally shoot you out of the game um, which Ben doesn't do. And obviously Ben is the far, 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 far superior defensive player. And also I would say at this point, better in transition as well. Um, so no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would I, never do that, no. I emailed him back and I said, I will ask this question. I said, Mike will dismiss it out of hand and only spend 16 seconds on it. You did give it a more thoughtful answer than I expected. I would agree with you. I think Russell Westbrook prevents you from winning. Yeah. Though I do think, knowing how NBA players think, I think there there would be games where the idea of what the Sixers had would look pretty terrifying with Westbrook. Like when he has good games, he looks like it's just like a lot. You know, sure. I I think the Sixers would be a lot in that case. But overall, I don't think they would go further with Westbrook. Yeah, if this was like 2014, 2015 Russell Westbrook, I think you'd probably say yes. But mm-hmm. at this point, no, yeah. not, no. Um, and then finally, from Steph and Laura, who identify themselves as members of the Roni RTRS crossover fan base. I love that. Um, Roni is Real Housewives of New York, which I did That's not right. know. She, she wrote that. Steph, I think, wrote, but it comes from Steph and Laura. This is a sort of basketball and non-basketball question in one. Our friends will debate this a lot. We wanted to get your take. You have 10 championships to, to divide between the four Philly teams over the course of your lifetime. How do you break up the championships between the teams? Do the Sixers get them all? I'm go- do, the, do you give the Flyers any? Uh, Mike, everyone's always going to end up screwing over one team with either one championship or none at all. We're obviously going with Philly, Sixers, Eagles, and Flyers. I'm going to include the Union in that as well. So five teams. How do you divide them up? I mean, 10 championships over a lifetime sounds like so much. And it sounds very generous for me to a lot that many. Um, 
I would say Alyssa would uh, laugh and dismiss me at that. But it's been two so far. Yeah. Uh, in 31 years for me, so um, that is that. Not we're not on <laughs> we're not on pace for 10. Um, I would give. It's an interesting thought. I, I've never thought about this before. It's it's like, do you want, like, do you want the Sixers to have a like UCLA in the '60s type run where they just win like nine straight championships? Is that fun, or does it get would that get tiresome and and not mm-hmm. uh, satisfying? And then you become um, like a Patriots fan or something. Like they're just right. smug and they expect it every year, and then they stop cheering for their team when the quarterback leaves. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I've, do you think I have 10 more, or have I already allotted two for the... No, for I, I'd say 10 more. Eagles. I'd say you get 10 more. Okay. Because then in, um, in my life, by the way, I have the 80 Phillies, and I have the 83 Sixers, which I don't remember, or obviously, but um, those would be added to my tally, and I don't want only six more, you know? I want yeah. 10, too. Um, give me... Uh, Give me four Sixers, three Phillies, two Eagles, and I'll, I'll throw the Flyers a bone. Flyers get one. No union. I don't. I couldn't even. I couldn't even say a single fact about the union. Well, you would be able to say they had a championship. <laughs> I guess so. I guess. I guess that's right. I think the balance between winning and not winning makes sports more interesting for all the teams. And I can tell you this, having and maybe my perspective is a little warped because of managing WIP, but after the Eagles Super Bowl, for like the two years afterwards, everything just seemed less interesting. The draft was less interesting. The It was yeah, fun, but it was just like less interesting. So I know this is a boring thing. I would give all five teams two championships each, and I would stagger them. And I think that would keep me both happy but also a perfect amount of Philadelphia unhappy, which I think you need, and it makes it more fun. Yeah, for sure. It, it is a weird combination of, like, I want my teams to win, obviously, but I also don't want to become a person that their teams always win. Yep. Because then I think that changes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very yep. odd... It's a very Fandom is a very, very odd thing. And I will say, just because they've they've called out Real Housewives of New York, I am on the final season of Real Housewives of New York right now. I've we went through it the whole pandemic, and, and the next season of Real Housewives starts relatively soon, so I will be caught up for the new season. So this is this is very exciting for me, and I'm considering starting uh, Beverly Hills after that. Oh, so good for you. So just a little Real Housewives update from me. Good for you. Where did I start watching? Wormwood. Have you ever seen that show? <laughs> no. Oh. It's a... Sounds like you made it up. No, it's it's like a half docu-series and a half, like, um, half-acted about a guy who found out a guy whose father died when he was a child, he was like eight, by the, the government uh, apologized to him and said that he either accidentally fell out this tent story window of a hotel or was thrown out. And they never knew what happened. And he found out later, as the president apologized to him, that he was part of a military uh, experiment where they gave people LSD to see how they would react to it. And the guy on LSD jumped out the window and he found out that mm-hmm. about his father like years later. So it's interesting, I guess. Weird. Certainly not Real uh, Housewives, but. 
No, it's not. We yeah. are, I haven't watched I haven't watched anything new in so long. I've just I'm just watch rewatching stuff I've watched. I don't know my anxiety or brain or whatever just like is craving like just some familiar stuff. Familiarity or yeah. something. I don't know. Uh, so I'm just I'm just mainlining Real Housewives and <laughs> Uh, have, having a blast. It's the, it's it is a very very fun show. And it's hilarious, and people I think it's straight up sexism that people don't realize that it's really really fucking funny. Like it's so funny. It's the funniest show ever. And also we're watching Young Rock because we were waiting on a season two renewal, go. which would help my life significantly. Oh, it's so going to be renewed, Young right? On, it's doing well, right? It's doing well, but they there haven't been a renewal yet. So yeah. keep watching it. Hulu on demand, uh, NBC, whatever. Uh, Tuesday nights. It's a, it's a fun show. The the last episode was a very very eighties, um, like, uh, action comedy sort hmm. of spoof in a like a Stallone Schwarzenegger situation. It was a really fun, like kind of nonsense episode that was really really uh, well made and and fun to watch. So I'd recommend that for sure. Cool. Watch Young Rock. We will talk to you later this week. Keep winning. We're not fucked. We're not at, fucked at as of now until we are. Not fucked in 17 more fucked. games of regular season before we go uh, playoff mode. Sicko mode. Yeah. We, have mode. S- we have something exciting to do for you during the playoffs, by the way. Actually, we have several oh, yeah. exciting things. Yeah, so. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Are you done with TTP? And I'm so, and oh. again, I'm so sorry to anyone who listened that really wants to know that fake Anthony Tolliver trade that almost happened. And it's so, I know they're just like hanging on the edge of their seat. Sorry, buddy. It's just ruining the rest of their weekend. But, uh, but yeah, we have to, you know, preserve Spike's connections for a trade that didn't happen. I am going to tell Mike as soon as the pot is over. As Anthony Tolliver trade. Wait, even, can, you will be, break the news. God forbid. You will be stunned. God forbid the fans know that they almost traded for Anthony Tolliver. You will be stunned. You will be stunned. You will be stunned. All right. All right. We'll Are you done with TTP? Yeah, you know, look, face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. With you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck, you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.